Greetings, dear listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Blue Collar Lutherans. Uh, today, I'm alone. It's just Vicar Winkler. Uh, we don't have Matt Whedon, Mark Whedon, or any of the other guests that we usually have. You are stuck with lonesome old me. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, and today, I am going to be answering a listener question. So y'all are sending questions in. Thank you. Uh, n- to remind you, we have uh, a um, email address that you can send questions to. It's called Blue Collar Lutherans at Outlook.com. Again, that's Blue Collar Lutherans at Outlook.com. Uh, and I just want to say before I get started, a special thank you uh, to our listeners. Believe it or not, we have listeners in Alaska. We have listeners in San Francisco, California. We have listeners in North Carolina. We have listeners right here in little old Wymore, Nebraska. Uh, we got listeners all over the place, folks, which is cool. Uh, so thank you for tuning in. Thank you for adding uh, your questions. Um, and especially uh, if you don't even if you don't have questions about faith, maybe you want to know uh, what blue collar small town life is all about. Uh, you individuals that live in the big old cities, um, perhaps you want to ask about those things. So please send your questions in there. Um, we want to hear from you. We love uh, reading the the questions that that come in. Um, and figuring out, you know, how oh, go oh, goo, that's a good one. We're going to have to talk about that. Well, all right, let's get into it today. Today's question uh, is this. Would you recommend some books to me to help me grow in my faith? Now, yes, I will. I have five books today that I'm going to recommend. Uh, but first, I want to answer that question in another way. Um, one, I know exactly what you are trying to do and what you're what you're saying when you ask that question to grow in your faith but i want to reassure you and every other listener out there um we don't need to grow in our faith as a matter of fact uh, when god gives us our faith he gives us all the faith we will ever need always Uh, he gives it to us in full portion uh, so we don't necessarily need to grow in our faith, but I know what you're saying in that. You're, you're saying, you know, I want to learn more. I want to I want to understand things better. I want to uh, have a more robust understanding of, of God in the world and all that stuff. So, yes, uh, that is a, a good thing, and we should be looking to do that all our lives. But one thing to know is, man, you all... You all got all the faith you need, my friends, uh, because the Lord has given it to you in full. Oh, that is that is good news. So, without further ado, uh, we are going to be talking about five books today. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to list the book, uh, talk about it, and then as I'm talking about it, I'm going to read a quote from the book itself so that you can get a little flavor, a little taste of what is in the book book. So, again, without further ado, uh, I'm going to start off with number five is, I think every Christian, uh, really, honestly, I think everybody ever, should read the Lord of the Rings saga. Uh, And here's a few reasons why. The Lord of the Rings is a profound, classic example of well-written fiction. 
Uh, and you may be thinking, well, Michael, this this isn't a theology book. This is just a book about some hobbits and a ring and uh, some cool guy named Aragorn. Uh, but but please uh, hold on with me here. So whether you're uh, wanting to be a writer yourself, which some of you might be, some of you might not be, or somebody who just simply enjoys literature for its beauty, The Lord of the Rings is both a joy and a standard. Um, and in literature, you can get a glimpse of reality in what is fiction. It can help you understand what's real. It can help you sift through your emotions. It can help you uh, come to conclusions on things that you didn't realize uh, were perhaps (coughs) in your grasp. Um, One example is there's this thing in uh, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's writing called You Catastrophe. And now, man, this can be an episode all in of itself. You Catastrophe. And as you read, you'll get this sense of this brilliant, magnificent um, thing that comes at the last second and and saves the day. It's it's like the opposite of a catastrophe that's sudden. It's it's a you catastrophe. It, it's it's saving. Um, it's beautiful. Uh, and and you'll read that, and it, and it happens in, in interesting and different ways and throughout the stories, even in the his book, The Hobbit. Um, but this you catastrophe, the ultimate you catastrophe in our lives, is the fact that uh, in the midst of this fallen, wretched, awful world, uh, ironically, God becomes one of us. He comes in surprisingly in a manger uh, with a young woman. Um, and he is born, and he is one of us. He's also fully God, and he's fully perfect. Uh, and then he doesn't come in and uh, destroy all of those who oppose him. Uh, he doesn't lead by glory or might. He goes to the cross, and he dies. He defeats death with death. Uh, and then he is risen again. That is the ultimate eucatastrophe, and that eucatastrophe is for you. And a few other reasons uh, is it's just simply beautiful. It's awesome. You're going to walk through the gardens of the Shire, which is where the hobbits are from. You're going to sleep under wooden or wooded stars. You're going to climb the slopes of Mount Doom. Uh, and in these passages, you're going to grow alongside the characters. You're going to begin to feel just as real as the people standing beside you. And you're going to mourn their deaths and you will glory in their triumphs. Triumphs. Uh, the journey is going to feel real uh, because it is. Uh, fantasy is a flight to reality, um, uh, one may say. Uh, he may have lost the neighbor's respect, but he gained well. You will see whether he gained anything in the end. Uh, that's from The Hobbit. So you can see that <laughs> that's something probably similar to real life. But here's a quote, my favorite quote from all of the books. It's at the very end of The Two Towers where uh, things seem very bleak. They seem awful. And Frodo and Samwise, Samwise is my favorite character ever, um, are talking to one another. And it's things just don't seem good. So Frodo says this, I don't like anything here at all, said Frodo. Step or stone, breath or bone, earth, air, and water all seem accursed, but so our path is laid. 
Yes, that's so, said Sam. And we shouldn't be here at all. If we'd known more about it before we started, but I suppose it's often that way. The brave things and the old tales and songs, Mr. Frodo, adventures, as I used to call them. I used to think that they were the things the wonderful folk of the stories went out and looked for because they wanted them, because they were exciting and life was a bit dull and it was a kind of sport, as you might say. But that's not the way of it with the tales that really mattered or the ones that stay in the mind. Folks seem to have just landed in them. Usually their paths were laid that way, as you put it. But I expect they had lots of chances, like us, of turning back. Only they didn't. And if they had, we shouldn't know because they've, they would have been forgotten. We hear about those as just went on. And not all to a good end, mind you, at least not to what folk inside a story and not outside it call a good end. You know, coming home and finding things all right, though not quite the same, like old Mr. Bilbo, but those aren't always the best tales to hear, though they may be the best tales to get landed in. I wonder what sort of tale we've fallen into. So that's Lord of the Rings. I think every Christian should ever, ever should read it. Um, it paints pictures. It, it, it helps you uh, experience, put words to things in reality that perhaps you've never seen before. It, uh, it creates a whimsical uh, reality or an idea of the way God works in our lives. Uh, and now the next book that I'm going to suggest, book number four, uh, is not quite as fun as the Lord of the Rings. Um, it's a book by C.S. Lewis, and C.S. Lewis is perhaps uh, one of the best minds uh, of the 20th century. Uh, he was very good friends with J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, and this is a book called A Grief Observed. Uh, and the reason why it's called A Grief Observed is because it's the, the, the thoughts um, and the way in which Tolkien uh, suffered through his grieving of the death of his wife. He, he met a woman uh, and, and married her in, in 1956. It was an American poet, and her name was Joy Davidman. Um, and she died of cancer four years after they married. And uh, C.S. Lewis wrote that, I never expected to have in my 60s the happiness that passed me by in my 20s. Uh, he was remarkably in love with this woman, and she was remarkably in love with him, but she was ill, and she died of cancer. And Lewis is ferocious and uncanting in his intellect, uh, and he thought about things like love and, and these big, magnificent things um, all the time, but now he is facing a grief that he has never experienced before, and uh, he fights for his faith, uh, we read in it, um, and uh, he's tormented by the thought that suffering in life offers no guarantee of peace and death, that the mere act of remembering is one of overriding. His own selective memories are failing of her over time. He says, like the small flakes that come when it is going to snow all night. Uh, and it's raw, it's real, it's very real. 
Uh, he is uh, extremely honest, but through it all, you see that he keeps his faith. It's powerful. It's emotional, um, and we see it experienced in real time. Uh, it's as much a biography of love as it is an, as an exploration of, of grief and faith, and I believe that every Christian should read this book because every Christian is going to run into suffering and grief at some point in time. Uh, here are a few quotes of this book. He says, No one ever told me that grief felt so like fear. I'm not afraid, but the sensation is like being afraid. The same fluttering in the stomach, the same restlessness, the yawning. I keep on swallowing. At other times, it feels like being mildly drunk or concussed. There is a sort of invisible blanket between the world and me. I find it hard to take in what anyone says, or perhaps hard to want to take it in. It's so uninteresting. Yet I want the others to be about me. I dread the moments when the house is empty. If only they could talk to one another and not to me. And then uh, he says this. There it is. God has not been trying an experiment on my faith or love in order to find out their quality. He knew it already. It was I who didn't. In this trial, he makes us occupy the dock, the witness box, and the bench all at once. He always knew that my temple was a house of cards. His only way of making me realize the fact was to knock it down. So those are a few quotes from A Grief Observed, and I believe that that's a book that everyone should read um, in their Christian walk. The next one uh, is a book that is uh, near and dear to me, one of my perhaps favorite books that I've ever read, and a book that I recommend uh, everybody to read as well. Um, even more so than some of the others. And it's called The Spirituality of the Cross, The Way of the First Evangelicals by Gene Edward Veith Jr. Now, this is a book that uh, broadly looks at some of the most important aspects of what is truly Lutheran theology and the things that make it kind of distinct. Um, and it's a short book. It's very easily read. It's a quick read. Uh, but boy, does it pack punches. Uh, this book is like Mike Tyson fights in the late 80s. It, it's quick and it hits you hard uh, in a lot of ways. Um, and this is a book, believe it or not, that led me to want to go and be a pastor. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's that good. Um I believe that that everybody should read it. Uh, it should be on everybody's bookshelf. Uh, if you're a Christian, it is. It's so good, and it's also written by um, a a person who is not a pastor. Um, he was a professor of. Um, oh, let's see if I can remember off the top of my head. I should. I believe he's a, a literature professor who um, was converted into Christianity and then converted into Lutheranism. Um, and yes, so, uh, the spirituality of the cross, here are a few quotes. Uh, this is one of my very favorite ones. We do not have to ascend to God. We don't have to go up to God. Rather, the good news is that he has descended to us. Here's another quote. The church does not depend on power, social prestige, rhetorical manipulation, or human design programs. 
All it has are the word and sacraments, which, though they may seem weak to the world and to all theologies of glory, in fact, carry the life-changing power of the Holy Spirit. So that is uh, The Spirituality of the Cross, a book that I believe everybody should read. Um, Next, we have uh, a fantastic classic, uh, is a book called Life Together. Another very quick read. This is a book that you can read in a weekend. Um, But man, it's... packs so much into it, uh, and it's written by a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, and this is somebody that we've talked about uh, in the past in, in our podcast, but he was a Lutheran pastor at the turn of the century, and uh, especially during World War II, and he's an individual that went back to Germany, he's from Germany, but went back to Germany so that he could fight the Nazis. Uh, and he didn't fight them with uh, guns and, and might per se, but he fought them with words. He fought them with organizing people. And he was um, put into a um, concentration camp. And he led a seminary there. He, he led people there. He taught them. He trained up pastors in a concentration camp. And just weeks before this concentration camp was liberated, he, he was killed. He was martyred uh, for his faith. And this book is called Life Together, and it is an exploration of Christian community and how Christian community is distinct, how it's different than any other type of community. He, he looks at loneliness uh, in this. He looks at how um, our communities aren't places or bastions of simply getting away from the world, but they are communities that are in and a part of the world and, in fact, are surrounded by enemies of whom we love. Um, And if we love our enemies, by golly, do we love those two that are in the doors. So here are a few uh, quotes. So between the death of Christ and the last day, It is only by gracious anticipation of the last things that Christians are privileged to live in invisible fellowship with other Christians. It is by the grace of God that a congregation is permitted to gather visibly in this world to share God's word and sacrament. And not all Christians receive this blessing. The imprisoned, the sick, the scattered lonely, the proclaimers of the gospel in heathen lands stand alone, and they know that visible fellowship is a blessing. Another quote is this. What love is, only Christ tells in his word. Contrary to all my own opinions and convictions, Jesus Christ will tell me what love toward the brethren really is. Therefore, spiritual love is bound solely to the word of Jesus Christ. And you hear that word, dear listeners, when you are with Christian community. Uh, Here's one last quote. It's very quick. It says, A Christian fellowship lives and exists by the intercession of its members for one another, or it collapses. All right, that's Life Together, a book that I recommend. Um, That is a Christian classic. And then last but not least, this is a book that we've talked about uh, in the past. Uh, It's called Luther's Small Catechism. 
Now, this is a book that was written by Luther, and it was written for pastors, and it was also especially written for uh, the heads of households to teach their family about the faith. Uh, and Luther's small catechism is like a cliff notes of all the most important things that you should know uh, about the Christian walk and uh, what's in Scripture. Um, and it's very simple. Uh, the original Luther small catechism, now there's a whole bunch of different kinds, and I would suggest that you look into it and research and find the one that you think is best for you. But the the original catechism is only like 30 pages long, and it's memorizable. The entire thing is memorizable. Um, there are many parts that I remember having to memorize growing up and, and still do remember. Um, but this is a book that... Uh, will stick with the Christian forever. It's the basics. It's the fundamentals. It's uh, it, it's the things that that keep you grounded in your faith, and it's so good. Um, I have my grandpa's old uh, small catechism from the forties, uh, and my wife and I we we like to sit down and we read it and we discuss it, um, even though we know exactly what's coming. But as you read things and as you evolve in your life. Uh, as you go into different seasons, all the different parts and pieces of, of these theologies, they change with you. Uh, and what I mean by is they change is they are applied differently. Um, so that is a book that I absolutely recommend that everybody reads. Um, if you were to only buy and read one book from this, I would say Luther's Small Catechism. It is so good. And I'm going to read to you uh, my favorite part in all of the small catechism, and it's the first article of the Apostles' Creed. And it says this, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And then Luther explains, what does this mean? I believe that God has made me and all creatures, that he has given me my body, my soul, eyes, ears, all my members, my reason, and all my senses, and he still takes care of them. He also gives me clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, wife and children, land, animals, and all that I have. He richly and daily provides me with all that I need to support this body and life. He defends me against all danger and guards and protects me from all evil. All this he does only out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy, without any merit or worthiness in me. For all this... It is my duty to thank and praise, serve and obey him. All right, folks. Well, that um, was five books that I recommend every Christian read. Uh, and these are books that will certainly help you understand God better, understand yourself better, understand the world we live in better. Um, uh, and it'll just give you a more robust um, uh theological way of understanding things. Yeah, I'm trying to say the thing without saying the thing again. <laughs> um, but thanks for uh, hitching along, friends. Uh, and most importantly, I, I believe all, all these books, in some way, shape, or form, are going to point you back to the good news of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection for you. Uh, and my dear friends, my dear listeners, that's a free gift. It's a free gift, and there is no sinning. There's no amount of sinning that can outdo the work that was done on the cross, and these books will point you to that. 
All right, folks, again, uh, if you want to be a part of the conversation, if you want one of us to answer your questions, send them to bluecollarlutherans at outlook.com. Again, that is bluecollarlutherans at outlook.com. See you later.